Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where monsters need to be hunted this week. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beege. But not next week and not the week before. Just this just, week. Just this week. Uh, today, we are talking about Monster Hunter, because I've been playing a bunch of it, and you were also kind of interested in it, right? I'm always interested in Monster Hunter. I never get really into it, but I'm always interested in it. I uh, I haven't played anything but the demo of Rise, but I did go back and play World a little bit because everybody was talking about, about Rise coming out, and I decided I wanted to be part of it at least a little bit because I never went back to it after I bounced the last time. Yeah, and I've been playing a ton of Rise. It's been really interesting for me um, because Monster Hunter World was like the first one that I got into, and I tried a bunch of Monster Hunter games before that and never really gotten through. Like, it, it just didn't click until World. Okay, so I like the idea of Monster Hunter, and I like how World does so many of the things it has really the the biggest issue that I've had with it so far. I'm curious if Rise deals with this or kind of expands it. The constant running away in different phases, it drives me absolutely batty. Once I can understand and do it, but when it constantly runs like multiple times back to heal up, it gets really frustrating for me. And that's one of the reasons I always end up stopping playing. Um, So it still does that, but it's not as frustrating because you have a dog. So you can ride the dogs in this and you yeah. go way faster. Like chasing down a monster is so much faster in this game than it has been in any of the other ones. That would probably help a lot because like the last time I got on, I don't even remember which monster it was, but when it ran away, it was it felt like uh, that that moment in Avengers Age of Ultron where Scarlet Witch flies off and Hawkeye is just by himself in the ruins in Sokovia and is just like kind of trotting along jogging. He's like, and I've got a bow and arrow. And it's like, that's how I felt when the big monster left. It just took off and I'm like, trot, 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 can't get to it. Yeah. Well, so there's a lot of like quality of life improvements here, but I wanted to touch on the question that always comes up first, which is, is this a good one to start with? Is this a good one for new players? And no, like, and this is the problem with Monster Hunter, right? Um, I keep seeing people who are loving Monster Hunter Rise, who are huge Monster Hunter fans, and they say, yes, jump on this one. It's the best time to get on board ever. And they're wrong because (laughs) Monster Hunter is so bad at onboarding new players, and it always has been, and this one is just as bad, if not worse, than the other ones. So it doesn't actually onboard people as smoothly as Monster Hunter World. Monster Hunter World gives you more story, it gives you more things to latch onto, Um, it kind of introduces you to the systems without always being in your face about system after system, and this one is so much worse. It's so much like the other Monster Hunter games before it. Um, there's, and I think I came to the realization playing this one that maybe I just hate the first hour or two of every Monster Hunter game because they're so bad. And so I maybe. wanted to talk through what it feels like, right? Because you've done and, this, right? Like yes. you've tried this on Monster Hunter game after Monster Hunter game. Yes, and it's never something I can get into, and part of it is because of what you said. There's no good onboarding system for to, to you know to talk about all the systems. There's not a good onboarding tutorial system that is intuitive enough to actually work. And then you have the systems that are there are so overwhelmingly complicated. 
it's not even like every single button and just about every combination is used to do something in the games. And half the time, what I think it's doing, it's not doing. And so that's been my biggest hurdle. And I think a lot of people's is just that it doesn't ease you into having any idea of what all of these commands and the the intricacies do, like what all of this is. Yeah. And so I want to get my gripes out of the way up front and just be honest with people, because I feel like I've heard so many reviews of this game that's like, yes, just jump in. It's fantastic. It's it's the best one to get into. And I think the gameplay systems are the best that they've ever been. It's just that, like, this is not a good onboarding. If you want a better onboarding, it's Monster Hunter World. But the real answer is to get a friend to teach you how to play this game or to watch YouTube videos, which is like not what you want to tell somebody when they're interested in a video game. Um, so the things that I noticed over the first couple hours is it throws you in and you're asked to create and name four unique characters and creatures before you've done anything meaningful. So you have to create (laughs) your character, which I mean, you know, RPGs, right? Like you create a character, but then you have to create your cat, which is a calico and the calicos are great. It's just that like, if you have no context for the series, you're like, why am I making a cat? And then you have to make your dog and you're like, there's a dog here now. What's going on? And then you have to make your (laughs) owl. And you're given, like, if you've never played before, you're like, what are these things? Why do they matter? Like, you have zero context. So if you dive in deep to make them exactly what you want, that could be an hour of your time right there. Um, But that's not even, like, the bad part. That's just character creator gripes because I'm me, and that gets to me. But there are things in here where, like, there are so many tutorial prompts before you have any of the context that you need to actually like put those prompts to work. And it's the worst kind of tutorials because it's not a tutorial. It's not interactive. It's not while you're playing the game. It doesn't highlight anything, walk you through it, point you to it. Like all of the things that we just take for granted with modern tutorials are not here. Instead, you get close to an area where something is about to be relevant and then a bunch of text boxes pop up and you have to read paragraphs and paragraphs of text with a bunch of proper nouns that you don't know anything about what they mean yet. And it's like, it's the worst way to do it possible. You know, it would almost be better to not have tutorials. I, I hesitate to say that it is probably better to do it this way than to have zero tutorials, but only barely because you don't even give people the chance to interact with something before you give them paragraphs and paragraphs of text about it where they just don't understand like what you're talking about yet. And it almost reminds me of like, um, old school game manuals where like all the instructions were outside the game. It's like, if you took one of those that used to come with games and you cut it up into like a couple paragraphs at a time, and then randomly during the first two hours of you playing this game, it would just stop and make you read a few paragraphs. That's what you're in for, for the tutorials in this game. I tend to ignore those. I know that it's really bad. I know that's how they're teaching you, but whenever it's like, I know that I don't remember what game it was. Maybe it was Monster Hunter World, where the other day I logged on and there were eight different boxes in this game of things that I needed to either catch up on or do. And you read it and they all start to blur together. It's something that I just end up skipping through. Like, I'll figure this out later or look it up. I'm I'm not dealing with this right now. Yeah, well, and a lot of the things are stuff that you don't care about until you get your heads around the basics and the basics, the core of the game that's really fun. They have it buried after like 
hours of play of the stuff that's not fun. It's like the worst experience to start. So it probably takes you an hour and a half before the first time that you actually see a monster and you use a weapon. And this is a game that's all about finding monsters and using weapons on them. Like that is the core gameplay. It shouldn't take you an hour and a half to get there. And the first few quests that they give you are straight up fetch quests. It's like go out into the world and get items and then come back. It's not fun. Um, and then when you do get your first monster quest, you're like, oh, monsters. But it's only the little monsters. And the little monsters are not that fun to fight against. And they aren't at all representative of the main gameplay when you're fighting giant monsters, which is where the fun is in this game. So this is this is my gripe with Monster Hunter in general. And Rise specifically is just as bad at it as all the other ones. They need to get to the big monster hunting faster, much, much faster. And they need to build an actual tutorial to teach new players things instead of just have text boxes. And I actually bounced off of the demo partially because of that same thing, because I didn't want to spend time learning and progressing fighting the... I didn't want to spend time fighting the the, the piddly monsters when all of these hours that might take learning all of this stuff and then maybe or maybe not get to the main game and progress not carry over where it didn't feel like it was fun. It was like I was playing demos are supposed to be fun, not like you're playing a tutorial and that's what it felt like. So I bounced off of it and went to fight big monsters in world. Like that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Well, and that that's the grape, right? Like all of the other things I have to say about this game is that I love it. Like I'm having such good time with this game, but I feel like so many reviews and discussions around it just gloss over the bad new player experience. So I wanted to highlight that because after you get beyond that, I love this game. Like it's fantastic. It's so great now that I have my head around Monster Hunter that I'm just enjoying it, you know? And there's tons of improvements. Like there are real characters with personality this time around. Um, The story is super minimal, which is like a lot less than Monster Hunter World, which it's okay. I kind of like Monster Hunter World's approach better, but that's kind of depending on your tastes and what you think. Um, the dogs are really cool. So the Palamutes, and this is where I was talking about quality of life features, right? Right. So I hope these things make it into Monster Hunter World too. The The Palamutes are one. So those are a new buddy companion instead of just the Calicos, which are the cats. Um, Palamutes also will attack and heal and all that kind of stuff. But you can also ride them from point A to point B. And they go so much faster than you do. So it's easy to like get to a monster. It's easy to chase down a monster. Um, it feels like it just speeds up the whole game in general. And that's one of my biggest gripes about World is how slow it can be and how much you have to traverse even around the hub. So that is useful. Like I liked running around on the dog even in the demo. Yeah, and there's tons of stuff that you can do on the back of the Palamute, too. So as you're going from point A to point B, if you're chasing down a monster, you can sharpen your weapon, and you can drink a potion. And these things where you used to have to, like, stop and do them, and it took extra time, you can now do them while you're chasing down the monster simultaneously. Um, And then the other huge quality of life thing is they introduced the system called Wirebugs, where it's basically like, um, you know the old... school spider-man games where he would just like shoot webs into the sky and they would attach to nothing yeah okay imagine that except in monster hunter world that's what wire bugs are like dude that sounds really uh, awesome yeah they're a lot more manual than spider-man swinging but they get you from point a to point b and you can go flying through the air and you can climb mountains with them and you can do all sorts of stuff it just improves your mobility that sounds great 
Yeah, so I like Wirebugs a lot. Um, and then the other new stuff, it's not really quality of life so much as just like gameplay changes and like adding more to the game. Um, the Wirebugs, so you can use them for traversal. That's definitely quality of life. But then you can also use those Wirebugs in combat to do Wirebug attacks. And if you succeed at hitting enough of these Wirebug attacks, um, you can ride on the monster. So the monster mm. will get into this state where you can like jump on their back and ride them around and you can attack with them or you can like run them into walls um, and then knock them over. And so it gives you an entire new way to interact with them. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's really sweet. Um, and then they also did a slightly better job at the hub and like the mo- multiplayer experience, which okay. multiplayer has always been a huge part of Monster Hunter. But like they've done such a bad job in the West at like doing the online portion, you know, mm-hmm. um, they've always succeeded at like the local gameplay when they've been huge in Japan. But here in the west it's like you got to have good online play and even monster hunter world it was really hit and miss with how they approached it um it feels like they keep getting closer with each iteration and i i think this is the best one so far even if it's not perfect i also the one thing i do miss about online is i kind of miss the flair so in monster hunter world um even though the the multiplayer in general was bad they had this system called a flare where you could send up a flare and then it just opened up whatever level you're in to anyone yeah. online could join um so they don't have the flare in this but they do have hub quests where you can go and you can like join whatever quest you're interested in or if you want to open up a hub quest and let anybody into it you can do that you just can no longer do it in the middle of a mission Okay, so so you have to start out doing it, not so much uh, uh, decide that you need help later. You kind of have to reset. Yeah, yeah, you have to like make up your mind as you're going into that hub quest. And so they have the whole game divided into village quests and hub quests. Um, it's really interesting because it's like you can tell village quests are single player because they're only single player. Hub quests, you can do single player, but as soon as you get into them, you realize these are meant to be multiplayer because it's like um, like a, a three-star village quest is probably equivalent to, or sorry, a three-star hub quest is equivalent to like a five-star single player quest. Like it's just a different power scale. Okay. Um, and that's where they really, they want you to get to eventually is like you should be playing online. You should be playing with people. And the thing is when you're fighting monsters with a squad of four hunters, it's so still super fun like randos or friends both of them are great you know that is like the core monster hunter experience is getting into a battle against a giant monster with you and three other hunters like that's so fun and it's always so fun once you get into it i just wish that it wasn't buried behind hours and hours of other stuff before they show you how cool that can be I mean, that kind of is their uh, MO with most of the game, though, so it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what they've always done. Um, but, you know, I like it a lot. I really like my time with Monster Hunter Eyes. It's it's great once you get your head around the core gameplay and you kind of get over that onboarding experience. I really wish they would make a modern onboarding uh, experience so that because I think they could open this game up to be accessible to so many more people if they actually built a modern tutorial instead of this tutorial that feels like it was from 15 or 20 years ago. It'll be interesting to see how they do multiplayer going forward. It seems like it gets better every time. Um, And so what I kind of want to end with, because I really do like this game, is if you're interested in Monster Hunter and you want to get into it, like, how should you do this, right? What are my tips for starting out? And this is from somebody who... I played Monster Hunter uh, 3 or Generations 3, and then I played like three Ultimate. Both of those I bounced off extremely hard because I couldn't get into them. Um, I finally 
got into, I think I tried four, whatever that was, but I finally got into Monster Hunter World um, and got my head around it. That took a while. And now I'm in Rise and I'm really loving it. And it seems like this is actually a fairly typical arc for people where you bounce off a bunch of the games and you finally, it clicks with you. Yeah. I mean, that tends to be the way that uh, that this goes. That almost everybody I know is either, is, like you've said before, is Sherpa'd into it and uh, they figure it out and they love it. And that just hasn't happened to me yet. I did figure out uh, playing these that I like the bow is probably the weapon that I go, that I really click with the most. That after going and playing some more and taking some time off, that uh, the the just regular old bow and arrow is what. Yeah, and you know you kind of touched on the best way to get this game and to like play this game is with friends. Is to get right. some kind of gaming sherpa to like walk you through it and jump into it with you, or even just sit down and like kind of be over your shoulder for the first hour or two, um, and explain like what you actually should be paying attention to because the game throws so many systems at you that you can safely ignore for hours and hours and hours. Like eventually you'll want to interact with them, but you don't need to do that for the first twenty or thirty hours of the game. Like you can just play and ignore um and that's kind of it's interesting because my my daughter watched me play this game and she was like i want to try it and i was like okay that's fine it's complicated are you okay with that and she goes yeah it's fine she's like i've been watching you for a few hours so we switched she started her own profile and then i sat over her shoulder for the the first like hour and a half two hours and walked her through the things she did exactly what you were talking about you you skipped all the tutorials she was getting so frustrated with the text boxes that she just skipped them all I just told her, I'll tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. And giving her that first like hour or two of attention. And now she's playing every day and she's loving it and she's having such a good time with it. But I had to get her over that initial hump first. Yeah, I mean, it just seems to be part of the it's part of the design decisions that that just it doesn't make any sense. Now, yeah. have you gotten all the way through this one and beat the main part and getting into the end game? Because I know you said that the story isn't nearly as prevalent in this one as it is in World. So what is yeah. the end game of this one like? So I saw credits roll. Um, right. And then I kept playing because like you unlock more levels above that in single player. And then also it's like I had barely touched the multiplayer when I saw credits roll. And then you go over to the multiplayer and there's tons and tons of quests over there too. So Right now, I'm hunter rank, and that's how they do it. They divide it by, like, how many stars are on the quest that you're playing. So I'm hunter rank five or six right now, Um, but I'm in the high tier. So there's, like, low rank and high rank. I'm in the high rank ones in the hub now, and I have a couple in the single player to go back to and wrap up. But, yeah, I'm I'm past the credits. All of the stuff to get to the credits was in the low rank, and then you kind of open up high rank and you can keep going beyond that. And I'm still having a fantastic time and I'm still seeing things that I haven't seen yet. So there's a lot of monsters in this game. Yeah, and I'm assuming this is where in the high rank stuff, that's where you get to the actual gigantic monsters, the kaiju kind, the dragons and stuff like that, right? Or does that stuff start coming at the end of the single player game before you get into the high rank? No, you get tons of it in low rank. You get you, a lot of them. Yeah, and you'll get um, a version of a lot of the monsters that show up in high rank. You get them in low rank first okay. or in single player. Um, they just, they're scaled down in difficulty, you know? So it's a lot easier yeah. to take them out the first time. But then as you get into high rank, as you get into four player, it scales up the difficulty. So it takes a lot longer and they hit a lot harder. Um, so it gets more challenging. But you do get to experience them at this like lower power level to get your head around them first, which is really good. 
Okay. See, I was of the impression, I was under the impression that whenever you get to the end game stuff, that those were completely new and different monsters as opposed to having the 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 experience lower and just kind of having more watered down or simpler versions of them before you get there. I thought it was completely locked out until you got to the high stuff after you beat. No, there's a handful of monsters like that where you don't actually run into them until you get to them in high rank for the first time. Um, right. They do save some, so you do feel like you're experiencing completely new content but i would say the vast majority of them exist exist in both low rank and high rank or if not low and high then at least the single player lowered version of them and like the multiplayer version of them um so you can run into most of the monsters and handle them your first time out that's really awesome i i like i said i really did not realize that yeah and then the other thing i wanted to give as a tip is people might not realize but like every weapon in monster hunter feels like a different game like it truly does even though you're fighting the same monsters it's almost like and this is the best analogy i can come up with but it's not perfect but it's like a fighting game right where if you know your one character and you learn the ins and outs of that character and all of their moves all of their combos all of their spacing and timing and setups and all of that right like you can feel like a master of it and then you switch to a different character and suddenly you feel like a noob again. That's what weapons are like in Monster Hunter. Like you could be a master with a longsword and then you switch over to sword and shield and you're like, how do I control this? I don't know anymore. Yeah. And I went back trying with a couple of the ones. I think the uh, the longsword and something else that I had played in World and it just didn't feel right. And so I went and tried the bow and for some reason, that one, after coming back from playing Fortnite and a couple of the other just uh, just random shooter games, I guess because I've been playing in the primal season of uh, Fortnite and the and playing Hanzo in Overwatch, that the bow just felt what I, it clicked more, and I was able to get further in the game than I had before, which still isn't far, but it's still more than I did before. Yeah, so I would recommend, if you are starting out completely brand new to the series, um, look at dual blades and look at sword and shield those are probably the two most approachable weapons one is a little bit more defensive because you have a sword the other one is like all out attack but it's very responsive so if you're coming from other action games or games that you've played the past that are action rpgs dual blades is like the closest equivalent because a lot of other weapons in monster hunter are much more deliberate and they have like long attack animations and you really have to commit to an attack it's just a different style of play but if dual blades and sword and shield aren't like clicking with you um the next step up in complexity that's still very approachable would be looking at like the long sword or looking at the bow which is funny because that's you and i are those two players i'm a long sword player and you're a bow player yeah uh getting up i realized that what it is is because you know i've mentioned it before on here and longtime listeners will remember that my nickname in wow was professor stands in all the fire and apparently I'm also Hunter gets hit with every attack. Sure. And so the bow helps me a lot because I have more time to dodge that uh, I really am bad at being able to see the telegraphs that the monsters are, 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 you know, doing to let me know what I should be getting out of the way of. But the bow lets me sit further back. And that's what actually helps me. Uh, I didn't like the gun, the the heavy bow or the heavy whatever it's called. I can't remember the name of it. The one that uses artillery and shells. I did yeah. not like playing with it. 
but I switched to the regular bow. Liked it so much better. So I and I just assumed it was going to be the opposite, and it was not. So uh, I'm yeah, I'm we're very opposite in that. Yeah, well, and the other thing is there's there's like thirteen or fourteen or something like that weapons in this game, and so many of them are for more advanced players. Where like. Mm-hmm. You have to use this weapon and this certain combo to build a charge so that you can morph the weapon into a different type of weapon. And now it's an axe. Now you hit it with a certain time of that. And then you use that to power up your shield so you can turn it into a... And it's just like, what are you even talking about? You know? Yep, yep exactly. Um, you, yeah. you watch the videos. And the I don't know if Rise does it, but I know that World did. I'm assuming Rise does. Where they show you little videos of what they look like when they're they're doing this cool stuff. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then you try it and it's like, no... I'm not. I'm not gonna do any of that. That's, yeah, that that's impossible. Now stick with the dual blades or the sword and shield. Uh, long sword and bow are also pretty safe. And if you stay with those four, you can probably find something you like that's pretty approachable. I'm actually curious now about the dual blades that I don't know. I don't know if I've ever tried those because I can't think about having done them. Like I don't remember playing with that. So it may be something I log on to World and try. Yeah, that's what my daughter got into. So I gave her yeah. kind of a sampling of all these, and she ended up on the dual blades. Um, I'm definitely a longsword player. I really like the longsword because it was easy enough for me to get into. It's not it's not as approachable as dual blades or sword and shield, but it's not crazy hard to get into. But the skill ceiling on the longsword is extremely high. So I never feel like I'm being an idiot or being bad at the longsword but there are times where i feel like i'm absolutely rocking the longsword and it's not every monster it's not every hunt but there are times where i'm just like yes i'm getting all my combos i'm getting all my charges i'm using all my special moves when i should be and i'm hitting with them um but at the same time i never feel like i'm a detriment to my team because i know i'm at least doing okay with the longsword all the time yeah i mean that makes a big difference where you can uh, actually feel like you're contributing because people on the internet are kind of the worst and i'm assuming that if you weren't they would kick you <laughs> well no there's no kicking mechanic like it's pretty it's pretty nice and oh, even in this um the one other thing that i would mention is like you said you get hit by a lot of monster attacks um you're probably playing single player right yes yes yeah. absolutely the one thing that I really noticed this time around because I have my head around the game more is that single player, the monsters are scaled down so that they don't hit as hard and they don't take as much to take out. But you always have aggro. Like the monsters yeah. are always gunning for you. And the biggest difference when switching to multiplayer isn't even that they hit harder or that they take a lot more like damage to take out. It's that the aggro is only on you about a fourth of the time. So three quarters of the time, you can sit back and you can be attacking the monster. I mean, if you're you with a bow, you can be attacking the monster from right. sitting back. Or if you're like me, I can charge into the side or behind the monster and I can get off full combos because the focus is not on me. And that's not something I can do when I'm playing single player. So no, it really no, does. Absolutely not. No, it feels like a different game. And you were talking about people starting out, like where to start. And yes, this this is about Rise, but at the same time, Monster Hunter World is free for PS Plus players. That uh, if you have a PS Plus uh, membership, it's part of the PlayStation Collection, and you can go download it for free right now. So if you're yeah. on the fence about it, and you know you you want to play a full game instead of just being thrown into a demo, which I think that the full game of World is so much better than the Rise demo. Um, I would suggest doing that 
because you'll get a good feel for it. Not exactly because you don't get uh, the puppy mount and everything, and it controls a little differently, but I think it's a much better... You'll see if you like Monster Hunter a lot better than you would with the Rise demo. Yeah, I guess that would be my recommendation, too, to kind of wrap this up, is if you're interested and you want to try it out, and it's just you and you don't have other friends playing go get monster hunter world on the cheap somewhere like bj said you know it's on playstation for free during you know if you meet certain qualifications or if it might just be ps plus um i think it's just ps plus okay or you can get it for like it's on sale all the time like it's Mm -hmm. cheap these days because it's been out for a while um if it's just you solo and you're trying to figure it out and you're not quite sure and you don't want to spend 60 dollars, monster hunter world is a great place to go if you have a bunch of friends right now that are playing Monster Hunter Rise and they're trying to convince you and you're like, yeah, I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to get into it. Just go get Rise and make sure that you have one of them with you for the first couple hours. Like that'll work, too. And I've really thought about doing this. Like I'm 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 so bad about that idea of missing out. And I know we talked about this the last time with everybody, uh, you know, when we were talking about the hiatus where we were not getting too trapped inside that we have to be up on everything all the time. But uh, it was it's really getting me with this Monster Hunter one because I see people having so much fun with this one. And it's really hard for me not to just grab the Switch version and play it. But I know that Monster Hunter World was one of those day one purchases that I felt like was a waste. So I know that would happen again, but I'm so excited to play this one with people. And I haven't been playing games, so I'm playing World right now because I have it already and it's part of... uh, of PS Plus anyway, but I already had it. And uh, so if this one drops in price, there's a really good chance that I'll pick it up by the time they put out an expansion pack. Sweet. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, that's probably it for the main topic. Uh, don't forget, we are part of a network. We have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the Geekery blog, all of that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent right to you. We also have our digital magazine, which is in the middle of being renamed, right? Yes, this month we are actually doing it as uh, just the geek to geek magazine. We're going to be doing a lot more stuff that's kind of exclusive to the Patreon. We're uh, looking at having some early access for live streams and things like that that we're working on right now. Um, I know that uh, that Alinzia and a few others are working on like a news show live stream that'll go to patrons first and things like that. So we're trying to expand it out. Uh, We realized that as we did this, that having it called Press Start was more of a it was splitting the brand and we didn't want to do that. So you can go to Patreon and get the geek to geek magazine. Uh, this month is spring cleaning and we have a couple of the, uh, episodes. We have a couple of the articles up already. So, uh, go check that out at patreoncom slash geek to geek. And with that, it's time for weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. I heard you've been playing Pac-Man Pac-Man is about the only game that I've been able to get into lately. It's uh, it's weird, but Jennifer and I, about every night, I think last night was the first night that we hadn't done it at all. We're playing Pac-Man 99 since it came out. That it is, it is really good. It's the first of the 99 games that's been able to keep my attention. That uh, I couldn't get into Tetris 99. Jennifer did. She liked it a lot, but I couldn't get into it. And I didn't like Mario 35. I played it two or three games, maybe more, maybe five, six, I just bailed. Like it just didn't, yeah. it didn't click with me. Like I didn't like the way that they did it because I like Mario being Mario, not Mario being wacky. Uh, and Mario's wacky, I know, but you know what I mean. And, yeah, no, uh, I landed in the same spot with Mario 35. I played it like, a couple ha- times and I was like, eh, I'm done with this. 
Yeah. And I mean, I know a lot of people who loved it and I'm glad. And Pac-Man 99 hits that for me where it's, it's really fun. It's really simple. And I've never been good at Pac-Man and I'm not really good at this, but I got sixth one time is the highest I've been able to do. And uh, that, that game gets stressful. It, it is, it's something that when we play, we actually can't play it late in the evening, like before we go to bed. Like we have to make sure we stop because we get really intense about it. And uh, like it stresses us out because it starts going so fast and gets so manic that, uh, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, we don't, we don't use a whole lot of the power ups and like worry. We don't target a lot of people because we don't really try to win, but it's just a lot of fun to play. It gets, uh, it gets really intense when people start sending different, uh, different amounts of ghosts and Pac-Man, like red Pac-Man, evil Pac-Man things into your, in your maze. Like it's really cool. Cool. Have you played it much? I know you said that you kind of got in there and then bounced off of it pretty early. Yeah, I got in there and I bounced off. I, I've i never been a huge Pac-Man fan. And then this game has literally zero tutorial. And None. so it was a little frustrating. Um, I did go back after you and I talked and I played it some more. And I was like, okay, I think I get it. Um, I just, I'm not a big enough Pac-Man fan to really do it for the long term. But I messed around a couple times. And it was, I could see how if you like Pac-Man, this game could be amazing. Yeah, I mean, and I don't really like Pac-Man. That's what gets me about it either. That's what gets me about it too, is I've never been a big fan of Pac-Man. I'm like, yep, Pac-Man's a cool game. I'm not good at it. I'll play a little bit and then I'll bounce. And then this one's like, you want to play Pac-Man tonight, dear? (laughs) It's just just one of those things where this one clicked at the right time for me. And I'm really glad about that. Cool. That's awesome. What else have you been doing? We also started watching Veep the other night the julia louis dreyfus uh show on uh hbo that i think it's been over for a couple of years now yeah it's uh it's really good like we didn't think we were gonna like it and i mention it because i mean and here's a spoiler for falcon and the winter soldier uh just just briefly for like five seconds she showed up in winter soldier and we realized that we like that actress a lot like we always have elaine on seinfeld so we were like we should watch Veep. And so we started it just to see, and it is a fantastic show. Like we got through season one. It was like eight episodes, uh, a half hour each, but we, we got through it and it surprised us because it, it is about an unlikable protagonist. Like she is a bad person and she is unlikable, but at the same time you like julia louis dreyfus enough as an actress like if you've seen seinfeld or or anything like that it's you like her and she's delightful to watch so it's this weird thing of you get invested in the story and the other characters you know that she's terrible and that something is going to happen about her being terrible but at the same time it's like oh that's neat i wonder what's going to happen do i root for her I don't know if I root for her, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want anything terrible. It's just a really good show. Like it's put together well so that it, uh, it doesn't seem like a, uh, a typical comedy because usually you, you, you want to like the characters in the TV shows that you watch. Not all of these characters are likable, but at the same time, because they're unlikable, you like them. It's <laughs> okay. very strange. Like they're unlikable in a, in a, in the comedy kind of way that works as opposed to the unlikable in the, yeah, I'm, I'm they're unlikable in the uncle Vernon kind of way in Harry Potter where it's like, ah, oh, Dudders and, and Vernon, you're, you're funny and, and weird, but I kind of like you, uh, but to, to see all of these awful things and, uh, but not like, uh, not like an actual bad person. It's just interesting to see this kind of parody of politics 
uh, from 2012 as well. Like that's that's the funny part too. Is <laughs> uh, in 2012 seeing all of what uh, parody of politics had turned into then. It's neat. I like yeah, it. Yeah, that'd be a very different time period to look at than we're in right yeah, now. It is like it's, and I'm not super political or anything, but it's interesting looking where just nine years ago how different our viewpoints on certain things were and uh, just as a culture it's really interesting i like it you should check it out just to see how much you hate the uh, main character (laughs) all right um for me this week i i finished watching pacific rim the black have you heard of this one it's the animated series isn't it yeah it's so it's the netflix animated series and it's kind of that netflix i don't even want to necessarily call it their house style but they have a handful of shows like this where they are 3d but if you looked at a still they kind of look like they're 2d yeah i know exactly what you mean you know what i'm talking about like the dragon prince is the same style um yeah so it's it's that style and it's pacific rim um it's specifically pacific rim like I think after the other movies and it takes place in Australia and they never really explain what the black is, but I get it's some kind of Australia thing. I don't know. It wasn't super clear, but the important thing is that the show overall is decent. Um, there's big stompy mechs and that's kind of what I was in the mood for. So I wanted a big stompy mech show and this gave that to me and there's maybe a little bit too much balance on the people on the grind ground side, but there's enough of the big mechs and like kaiju fighting that it's satisfying because that's what i wanted out of it and the other thing is like even the episodes that are more people on the ground they're only like seven episodes and they're all 20 to 30 minutes so they're super super fast to watch which i appreciated too and i love pacific rim i love the first movie and i like the second one just fine and so i want to watch this i just i actually forgot about it that it's one of them that completely slipped out of my mind and off my radar like i wasn't even sure it was out yet like so i'm glad to know that it's out and that it's decent yeah it's decent it's not fantastic but it's not bad like it's it's decent i'm glad i watched the seven episodes of the season and i'll probably watch season two if it gets renewed so take that as you will i guess for recommendation um the other thing i finished up in the last couple weeks here is way of kings i finally read that it was good but it was really long (laughs) Like really well, long. Not Way of Kings. That's the first book in the series. Uh, the the new Rhythm of War, right? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I meant Way of Kings series. I should have written this better. It's yeah, it's Rhythm of War. So I finished Rhythm of War, which is book four out of this eventually ten mm-hmm. book series. But like you've said, the first five are one story, and then the second five are going to be a different story, right? Right. And I finished this one a little bit before you, but I ran into the same issues you did, or I guess you ran into the same issues I did, uh, where like most of this book is good, question mark, and you keep going because it's good, and then you get to the very end of it, and it's like, oh yeah, that's that's what it was doing for way too long, way, way too slowly um and so i'm glad that that wasn't just me like i hate that the book is just like that but i'm glad that it wasn't just me feeling that way because this is one of my favorite series so like i'm talking about the book that you read so you go right ahead (laughs) no i agree i mean the first like 80 percent of this book was it wasn't bad because i would have stopped reading it but it was kind of a slog because it was so much setup and then the last 20 percent was really good because a lot of the setup paid off but in hindsight, having read the whole book now, I can tell that that like first 80% of this book four, a lot of that is probably setting up a ton of book five so that book five can be excellent, you yes. know? Um, 
And it's like only a fraction of what they set up in this book actually pays off by the end. But it, it does make for a good last 20, 25% of the book was really strong. Like once I got to that part, I couldn't put it down and I flew through the rest of it really quick. Um, yeah. It just, it took a long time to get there. Yeah, I was having a hard time getting through it because like I read right before bed. And so I would read and then I would get kind of bored and I would just go on to sleep. Like I would just finish up part of a chapter or a chapter or two or whatever. And then I got to the last bit of it, the last 20, 25%. And I stayed up super late every night during that, like two or three nights to be able to finish because, you know, these books are thousands of pages long. So that 20% is still like thousand thirteen hundred pages and so not not that long but the books no, but are, it's hundreds, the books and hundreds are that long. of pages yeah, it's hundreds yeah. of pages and so like i remember at the end when i was at the very end that i went to bed at like 1 30 in the morning and which is insane for me to go to bed that late but i had to finish the book but it had not hit that point early on in the book at all like i'd never felt the pull to read it i just felt like i need to read it and figure out what's going on yeah yeah totally um so i'm glad i have read it i don't know how highly i would recommend it i would say maybe if you haven't read this one yet um and you're through book three maybe wait till book five is out and then just do four and five back to back because it seems like it would be better um but it's not bad like if you want to keep up with the series like eh, yeah go for it i did um the stuff they're leading up to in book five the way that it's set up right now i'm very excited for the things that are going to happen in book five now like the end of this book made me want book five more than I wanted it before. It feels like all the pieces are in place now. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And like, I know Brandon Sanderson does series well like this. So I'm just, I'm just waiting and uh, waiting and waiting and hoping that it comes out soon. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing this week that I did a bunch of was uh, magic, the gathering arena on iOS. So right. it, you know, I kind of decided that it was going to be time to try to get back into Magic the Gathering Arena when it came out on iOS, and it just did a couple weeks ago. So I'm figuring out how it fits into my life, but really like that form factor, um, I like it. I like it on iOS, and I like it on both phone and iPad, which was interesting to me. So it runs amazingly well on my phone. Um, I have a phone, I have an iPhone 10, 10s, I think. Um, and it runs fantastically on my phone. But then I was trying it on my iPad and the iPad, it was like, oh, this is the form factor where I want to be playing this game. Like this is the most natural fit. And I bet I would play a ton of it if I had it on here. And my iPad had kind of aged out and I never realized it. So I was playing it so much on my phone and then getting back into it on the computer because I was playing it on my phone that I actually went out and I got a new iPad mostly to play this game. That's awesome. Like yeah. that is fantastic. Like that's how much I'm enjoying it. So And I haven't played it on iPad yet. Like I downloaded yeah. it and put it back on my computer and I have it on my phone where I've played it, but I haven't actually loaded it up on the iPad. So I find it funny that uh that I bought a new iPad for a couple of things and now I haven't played the one that apparently it's uh, <laughs> the best best feel on. Yeah, it's my favorite. So iPad is my preferred method of playing uh magic gathering arena now i just i love that form factor for it and because i'm back into it on mobile and on uh ipad like i'm playing it more on the computer again just because i'm kind of playing wherever i happen to be when i think about it for the day but um one of my core play sessions now is kind of at night it's like 
after I get the kids settled for the for the night, before I actually start to wind down myself and go to bed, um, I play a, a match or two or three on my iPad, you know, and that's really nice. Like, I just like being able to pick it up and play there while I'm sitting on the couch without having to go over to the computer and like dedicate a play session to it. It just feels a lot more approachable. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Like one of the things I don't like about PC gaming is having to be in front of my PC. I uh, I was I'm really like excited for an any game gets on mobile like this or or tablet or a handheld because it means I'm more likely to play it. And so yes. because I can play it wherever I am instead of having to set time aside to do it. Like that's why I don't play PlayStation games as often. It's like I don't want to be just right there. I may be somewhere else when I want to play. So having it on mobile is is absolutely going to make me play it more. Yeah, I, I really like it on the iPad for just like sitting on the couch. And then the other thing I found was kind of like I typically at night, like as I'm kind of hitting that point in my night, I'll play a couple rounds on the iPad and then I'll put it down and then I'll like wind down for the night. And when I end up in bed, sometimes I still have enough energy to like play a game for a little bit. So maybe I have just played like two to three games on my iPad. But then when I'm in bed, sometimes I'll just get my phone out and I'll play another like match or two to like wind down right before I go to bed. So I love that I can pick it up and play anywhere. It's really working for yeah, me. I'm liking it for that too. Yeah. And then the other thing I did was I did my like first semi-successful draft ever. So I have nice. always just gotten completely stomped every time I did a draft. And um, I I hadn't been keeping up with the sets and the, a new set was about to come out. I didn't want to drop a ton of money on the set that was just about to be an older set. Right. Mm -hmm. So Strixhaven is the one that was about to come out uh Kaladim, Kaladime, something like that um is the one that was in rotation but it was about to you know the new one was about to come out so i just did a draft or two on it instead and i actually had a couple good draft runs i didn't have anything where i went like seven wins or anything crazy like that but yeah. i was winning like 50 percent of the time sometimes slightly more than 50 percent of the time and for me that's the best i've ever done in a draft situation so yeah, i felt really sure. good about like actually succeeding a little bit in drafting and magic yeah i mean it's drafting is something i've never been good at in magic and online it's even worse where i'm just like oh click that's pretty and uh it's it's i'm not good at it so i'm excited for you i enjoy doing it a lot though it's super fun yeah and then the other thing is strixhaven just came out like right. a week ago um, so I'm diving into that right now. I'm kind of playing that every night. I've done a handful of sealed events. Um, I'm starting to wade into like, what else should I be doing? What other format should I be doing with Strixhaven? But um, because I knew this new set was coming out, this is when I was like, oh, I'm going to dive deep. I'm going to get the mastery pass. I'm going to see how much experience I can get, all of that kind of stuff. So I will have more impressions of that probably by the next time we record. I'm interested in, uh, I have a question about sure about all of this like i've logged in and it's not letting me do the pvp stuff anymore like i'm having to go through the color challenges again like all uh -huh. of my stuff is the same as it was like i still have the coins and everything i did before but it's making me go through like unlocking the stuff i've already unlocked and it's not even the mastery stuff uh so i'm curious if you know like why it's doing that or if that's something that you have to do every time a set comes out i don't know no, it's not every time a set comes out, but there was one point where I think they did a soft reset and they said, okay, if somebody hasn't been in the game for a certain amount of time, or if they hadn't played since before a certain set, then when you come back to it, you'll have to do all the intro stuff again. So <sighs> that happened to me 
when I came back for, I think it was Throne of Eldraine, I had to do exactly okay. what you're doing, where I had to do all the color challenges and kind of the newbie stuff again. Um, like my daughter had played Magic Gathering Arena with me for a while, yeah. but then she put it down for a long time. And so she saw I was playing again and she started her account back up and she's doing the exact same thing. She has to do color challenges again. So and I think it's frustrating. It's, I hate it. Yeah, it's a combination of like how long have you been away from it? Um, but it's definitely not every single set that you have to do it. Okay, good because I, yeah, it's uh, it's bad. Um, like it's made me not play it nearly as much because I can't do the stuff that I want to do that I was doing before that uh, they locked me back out of, and so yep. I'm just I'm angry at it. I guess is the best way to put it. But I was curious about that. And I was wondering if I I'd actually thought I might have logged in on the wrong account that I had a different account that I didn't know about. But it's uh, but apparently not because I have all my coins and everything and all my my wild cards. Well, the D&D set of magic is coming out later this year. So I feel like you should at least get through all the intro stuff so that when D&D comes out, you can dive into it since you've been loving that so much lately. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. I didn't know anything about it until just very recently, and uh, I'm I'm excited to to see how that actually plays out. Yeah, so I'm gonna play some more Strixhaven between now and the next recording. So I will definitely have more impressions next time. That's probably it for tonight. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail dot com, or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, you need to make sure that you check out all the other content on the network, like blogs and video game reviews, and our digital magazine on Patreon. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast, where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beege. That's Beege with two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast, a show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beege with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye. Or two weeks. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Beep, 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 beep. Comics. Movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu. Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu. 